Welcome to 502 Entrepreneurs, Louisville's podcast featuring local business owners, entrepreneurs, and side hustlers, all who have a story to tell. I am your host, Carl Armijo, owner and operator of Carl Armijo Photography. Our guest today is Brad Brown, owner of Harrods Creek Jewelers in Prospect, Kentucky. It's time to get weird with Brad. Brad, how's it going? It's going good, Carl. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. We just uh, enjoying the the day here and you know hunker down inside with the rain so there's not much else to do stay inside yeah exactly so thanks for coming by i appreciate it no problem it's good to thanks for having me have you here for the podcast and chat a little bit about uh, your jewelry business and things like that so okay yeah we just got finished with your headshot what do yeah. you think of that that's fun i kind of enjoy doing that yeah i like it too it was enjoyable yeah how'd you think you looked like me, <laughs> <laughs> like you, like your dad, <laughs> like my dad, yeah. <laughs> so, but now that you're here, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do? I'm Brad Brown. I own and operate Harrods Creek Jewelers in Prospect, Kentucky. Cool. You have a website, HarrodsCreekJewelers.com. Awesome. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your business. Kind of what kind of jewelry work do you do and what kind of stuff do you like to do and what do you specialize in well the store is it's a little bit like a gallery with a bunch of local artists work in the cases and on the walls um mostly what we do is repairs ring sizing chain repair um prongs kind of all the full range of um repairs that you would you would expect um and we work on everything from cheap costume jewelry all the way up to $100,000 rings. Okay. So it's not, it's a full range of just about anything. We even work on purses and shoes since I've been there. All right. So anything anybody needs fixed up? That seems to be the thing, yeah. <laughs> um, people just bring me, ah, can you fix this? I don't know what to do with it. We do watches. We do clocks. No, we don't do clocks. We don't do clocks. Okay. Watches, though. We do watches. You do the fancy watches? I have a guy that works on the fancy watches. I'll change the batteries, and I can do some minor repairs. I like the professional, the, the specialist to take care of any of the expensive watches but they can still bring the fancy watches to you and you'll make sure that repair happens right absolutely yeah so. yeah we do we do a lot of that cool um, how long you been uh running harrods creek jewelers now we've been open for about three years um three years in september okay this past september how have those three years been for you they've been interesting I mean, I, I've worked for other jewelers my whole life, right? So I thought I knew everything I needed to know to start my own business, and I was wrong. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty common thing among uh, new business owners, right? Yeah. You know, you think you know everything because, you know, most of us are real good at the technical side of things. Sure. You know, and, and things like that, but when it comes to running a business that's profitable and you know has clients coming through the door for you it's a lot more hard and challenging than we think 
And there's there's just so many pieces. I mean, they're just you know, when you're when you're working for somebody, you don't have to call and figure out what your payroll number is for the state, you know? You right. don't have to figure out all the little details. And you got people walking in your door every day, hey, you wanna advertise? You know, you wanna do this, you wanna do that. So making those decisions and trying to figure out what's the right thing to do for my situation and my business. Yeah, and are you spending your money the right way? Exactly. You know, and there's not really any way to tell. Depends on the time kind of advertising you're doing, I imagine. Right. It sounds you like know? what you're doing with the split ads is probably a good way to tell what's working. It tells you what's working. It you still have to be really diligent about tracking. Um, who's coming through your doors and where they came from. Yeah. You know, to find out if they came from a Facebook ad that brought them to your website or did they come from a Google ad that brought them to their website or did they hear about you from your friend? You know, that kind of stuff. You almost, you have to ask them and you kind of almost have to read between the lines sometimes because sometimes they don't know. They might've clicked your ad. Right. They didn't sign up for your email list, but then Two weeks later, they're back on your website because they remembered your name, yeah. you know, and then they're booking. So, you know, sure. it's hard to, hard to track those, those people. But yeah. What kind of advertising do you do? Do you do any? We don't. It's mostly word of mouth. Um, we pretty much have a lot of business that I, you know, I mean, I'm, I stay pretty busy and I have people walking through my door every day. Here are three years later. I've still got people walking through my door that live in the neighborhood. I didn't even know you were here. <laughs> right. And you have a huge sign above the, the storefront that says jewelers. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I'm right next to Domino's, so that helps. Um, so we get a lot of traffic from people just noticing that we're there. We get a lot of traffic from my friend told me you were the guy to go to. Um, there's other businesses that refer people to me. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it seems like the word's getting out. That's good. Yeah. Those uh, word of mouth referrals are the best cause they're free. Yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to pay for them. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm, I'm trying to start doing some more Instagram posts. Um, it's a little hard for me to to realize that people are interested in my everyday whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, people are telling me, dude, this is cool. You should, you should, you should show us. Yeah, absolutely. And more about it, you know, I think a better way to look at it or maybe an alternative way, maybe not better is that, you know, maybe they're not interested in your day to day, but the more often you post, the more they see, Herod's Creek Jewelers. So when they do have a problem, like, hey, my ring broke, or hey, I put on like 20 pounds and my ring doesn't fit anymore, or (laughs) the opposite, hey, I I lost 20 pounds and now my ring's about to fall off, you know, then they have a problem and they go, I've seen something about a jeweler around here. Sure. You know, then they'll remember it's you and and walk through the door. So I think more of, you know, that kind of mindset is the way to look at it is just trying to stay in people's minds more than it is trying to think that they might be interested in what you got going on. Some people probably are super interested. Yeah. Other people are just like, Hey, the jeweler guy's posting again. Yeah. But when their ring breaks, 
Exactly. Who was that guy again? Exactly. And if you're, you know, if you're three days back in their feed, it's harder to find you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you were in there this morning, then they just got to go back a little bit, I guess. Yeah, that's the idea. So that's pretty cool. What's been the hardest part, you know, about being being in business for yourself now? I think it's just that I do everything. Yeah. You know, it's... I don't have somebody that can watch my shop if I want to go run an errand. You know, Norm works for me sometimes, and he works at night. He kind of works the night shift. Um, but him and I were him and I were talking the other day about you know the quote freedom you get by going out on your own. Well, you're you're tied down, you know. Yeah. And um, while it's good, it's good not having a boss. It's hard because you have to now have discipline. You now have to be there every day when you say you're going to be there. Um, you know, if you become unreliable, if somebody comes to your shop three times in a row and you're not there when you're supposed to be there, why would they come the fourth time? Right. So I try to be there anytime my store's supposed to be open. Um, but I also try to balance that with, I own my own business, so I can take off. Yeah. You know, I can go to that family event. I can take my daughter to the to the doctor if I need to. Yeah. Do you put um, a sign on the door that says, doctor's appointment, be back soon? I do. Yeah. yeah. See, I think people can understand that. Sure. You know, if they, they pull up and, you know, you're a one-man show for the most part, you know. Yep. I think most of your customers understand that as well. Yeah. And so... And I've got a series of post-its on my register. One says, ran to the bank. One says, ran to the post office. <laughs> One says, out grabbing lunch. And, you know, people understand that. And I leave the open sign on. Yeah. I just lock the door. And um, people get it. And I've never had anybody be too irritated with me. Well, that's good to hear. You know, when when I put something on the door that shows I'm human, that shows I'm a family man, it's respected. Yeah. It should be. appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, how many years were you in the jewelry business before you decided to hang your own shingle and head out on your own? I think 22, 23. That's quite a long time. And, you know, I, Eric and I had a had a 10-year plan. You know, we'll go out on my own when I'm ready. And my boss called me in one day and said, hey, I'm going out of business. Oh, okay. I was like, oh. <laughs> so what happened earlier than you guys yeah. expected. So I was like, our 10-year plan just became a next week plan. Yeah. And so we closed, and a month later, I opened my own place. Wow. And it wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. But I did it. Sometimes. uh, And I'm learning. Yeah. Sometimes taking that leap is all it really takes, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and sometimes that leap is forced upon you. (laughs) And and I think it's the best thing. I don't know that I could go back to having a boss. I mean, it's like. It's nice to have somebody write you a check each week. Sure. But. I don't like having a boss. I don't like doing somebody else's thing. Yeah. I like doing my thing. Even if I don't even know what my thing <laughs> is right now, you know, it's like, uh, but being, being the, 
the only one there. If I'm bored, I can go do something else. There's always something that needs to get done. Right. And so, you know, if, if I don't want to do this, I can go do that or that. What's the, what's the task you hate doing the most? Books. Books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, reconciling the checkbook. Yep. You know, writing down what's, what's this and what's that. Um, so my dad helps me. My wife helps me. I try to do it. I try to do it as I go so that it doesn't pile up. Yeah. That's big. Um, Cause once it piles up, it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And, oh man. Yeah. I know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't even mind the cleaning. I mean, you know, I got to clean my own bathroom and wipe my own microwave out and clean my bench off once in a while. Right. And when I remember to do it, I don't mind doing it. It, it feels good. I, I like sweeping the front sidewalk. And I think it's because it makes me feel like a shop owner. <laughs> Like, you know like an saying? old-timey... Uh, exactly. The old-timey shop owners, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Taking care of my little spot. I could see that. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do? If books are the least favorite. Yeah. I think my favorite thing is hand engraving. Hand engraving? It is. It's, it's one of those things where you're really putting yourself out there. And it could go, it could go wrong very easily. And so it's a little bit scary... But when you get done, it's it's good. Because you get the the butterflies in your stomach every time you Absolutely. do it. Yeah. Even more so if it's an heirloom. Oh right, you know, yeah, I can see that being super uh, stressful. Earlier this year, I engraved a hundred and fifty year old sterling silver cake knife. That's amazing. That was the third wedding from this family for this cake knife, and. She was like, don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens if you do screw it up? Is it like the whole knife just ruined or is there ways to like kind of fix a little or hide a little I can, mistake? I can hide my mistakes. You know, on sterling silver, silver's fairly soft. It's fairly easy to fix a mistake. Pewter, pretty soft. Gonna, you can fix a mistake. Stainless steel. And, and I have to tell people up front, look, if I screw it up, there's no no going back. Right. And some people are like, yeah. But I try to do things as much as I can that I can replace, you know. Okay. If I if I'm if I'm providing the sterling silver pendant, then I can buy another one. Right. That and, makes sense. You know, I, I always feel like I'm going to screw up, but I I rarely do. You don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I you know, it just doesn't happen very often. How many people are out there doing hand engraving these days is most of it done with like a laser or a machine or is it every like like when you get like a ring and it's engraved on the inside is that all hand done or well there's you know i mean there is laser engraving there is machine engraving and then there's hand engraving so machine engraving you're actually using a a panograph and you got a diamond drag that's doing the engraving i got you and you're just tracing a template Hand engraving, you draw it on by hand, and then you take little tiny chisels and cut it out. Okay. Just like you were carving 
wood. Right. So when you take your ring to the mall, for instance, and they have the little kiosk that says, we engrave things. Yeah. How do they do it? That's machine. That's machine engraving. Yeah. Like, um, if they do it quick and it's cheap, it's machine engraving. I gotcha. And, And most people aren't willing to pay the extra for the hand engraving because they don't see the difference. Okay, yeah. They aren't, they're not uh, seeing the value of having it done by hand. And right, and sometimes there is no value. You know, they're just trying to get a, get a ring marked. You yeah. know, I want it to say, love Becky inside my ring. And so why would they pay three times to get it done by hand? Now, if you're getting custom rings done and you want special hand engraving pattern on the outside... People see the value in that. Right. You do custom jewelry, right? Absolutely. So so people could come to you and say, hey, I'd like you to make this ring. We want this special kind of engraving on the outside, and you Absolutely. can you can do that for them. We do that. That's cool. Yeah. I had a guy bring me three rings and a necklace from his wife this past week, and we're going to melt them down and literally pour an ingot and roll the ingot into a ring. Wow. That'll be and exciting. That way he can have her her jewelry on him. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it, it's it's a lot different than here, I'm going to sell her jewelry for cash yeah, and buy yeah. a new ring. Right. I mean, this, and, and I told him, I said, look, it's different colors. We don't know what it's going to look like. He's like, I don't care what it looks like. It's not about the color of the gold it's about having her gold on my skin yeah i'm like okay that's really cool and that's a great idea that's what i like about owning my own shop we can do the things that most other jewelers won't do yeah they won't even touch a thing like that not even close you know if if they can do it or if they're willing to they won't because there's the risk yeah but when you can sit there and when when a customer walks into my store, they're talking to the jeweler. They're talking to me. I'm the one doing the work. So we can we can negotiate. Sure. You know, this is how it's supposed to be done, but you you only want to spend a little bit of money. You're just trying to get it back on your finger. Well, we don't have to do all the bells and whistles. You know, I've had people bring in rings. They're just trying to get their wedding band back on their finger. They can't really afford whatever it takes to make it done right. And so we can weld it back together and get it back on their finger. I always do a little extra. You know, if someone's paying for this, I'm going to give them a little extra. Yeah. I want to make sure people understand they're getting a value. Absolutely. So that's about be, being in business is about, right? Is providing the value to, to everybody out there. And sure. You know, the hard part's explaining the value sometimes, you know, yeah. what are you getting out of this, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. And I do that. So when, when, when a, when a customer walks in with a job, we fill out a ticket, name, address, phone number, what the ring is, what the value is, what we're going to do to it the price, and then I turn that ticket around and I read it to them. This is what we're doing. This is what it's going to cost. We're going to polish it up. We're going to make it look like brand new. You're going to get a ring back that looks 
like it did the day you bought it. I just need you to sign there that that's what you want to do. Right. And they understand up front what they're going to have. Yeah, that's important. And, you know, when it's, when a customer walks in and says, oh, I don't know you. I'm like, look, go somewhere you trust. I don't want you leaving it here if you don't trust me. Yeah, absolutely. And most of the time they're like, well, I'll trust you. <laughs> that's all it takes is just a little... Uh... You know, giving them the ability to control the situation. Sure. And when you give them that ability to control the situation, that conveys trust. Sure. Automatically. And and I'm not trying to sell them a bunch of stuff that that they don't they don't need. They don't know about jewelry. You know, it's just like taking your car to the auto mechanic and you don't know anything about cars. You're like, Oh, do I really need to do this work? Or is he just trying to sell it to me? And so it's the same thing with jewelry. People don't know, and they're, they, they feel like they're going to get taken. Do they? A lot of times okay. they do. And so I've got, a, I've got a microscope, a video microscope. And I say, look, here's a crack in your diamond. Here's a missing prong. I wouldn't wear it like that. Yeah. We can fix it. And they can make that decision. And sometimes they say, holy crap, it's under warranty. I'm taking it back to the guy I got it from. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. It's not cool. Yeah, do it. No sense <laughs> in paying me. Somebody's going to do it for free. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. And so sometimes people are like, you know what? I trust you more than that guy. I want you to do it. I'm like, I'll do it. Yeah. we My, uh, my wife's ring we got, and... Uh, the the opal fell out like almost immediately sure like they gave it to her and like within like a week it fell out <laughs> and we took it in and they were like well you know we can fix it but it's probably gonna fall out again you know this and that Shucks. and we were like well you know this is before i had met you sure so sure. <laughs> but you know we got it fixed but now she only wears it like on date night sure or like special occasion type things yeah. and she wears one of those silicone bands all the other time because she's terrified that the opal's gonna fall out yep. you know so and it's just one of those things like we don't know any better like you know i i can know nothing about a ring and and there's so many things that can go wrong you know especially with an opal an opal's soft right very soft and so it's a balancing act i mean i could put these huge prongs over it and it'll never come out but I might break it. Yeah. Um, and you've got to wear it. Right. You know, you've got to look at it and you've got, it's got to be pretty. Um, so it's a balancing act between yeah. practicality and. Sure. Hindsight, I should have got a different setting for the opal, but sure. you know, whatever. And, and you know, that's <laughs> another, that's another thing that I can do with my customers is I understand how jewelry's made and I'll tell a customer, this is a sometimes ring. Don't wear this ring every day. Yeah. And, you know, here, these things aren't secure. You can wear it or not. I mean, you know, yeah. they're, bring, they're bringing me grandma's ring that grandma wore for 100 years. And it's completely worn out. And they just want to wear it. I'm like, you can't wear it. Yeah. Just, you I can, don't know how it's still together. You can wear it, but it's. There's a risk involved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, 
I can I can explain. I spend a good bit of time explaining to people how to wear their jewelry, how to clean their jewelry. I have people walk in, how, how do you clean jewelry? And I tell them, warm water and Dawn dish liquid. That's it. No brushes, no nothing? An old soft toothbrush. Okay. Never toothpaste. Never any, uh, <laughs> that's abrasive. Yeah. Toothpaste is abrasive. Sure. That's why it cleans our teeth. Yeah. That's why people use it to clean their <laughs> headlights on their cars, because it's an abrasive. <laughs> had a lady walk in in a panic because she read on the on the internet that you could clean silver jewelry in hydrogen peroxide and she did and it turned jet black (laughs) (laughs) she was like what do i do with all this so we cleaned it for her and told her not to do that don't do that anymore (laughs) i wonder what the chemical reaction is there that causes it to well, the peroxide has a lot of oxygen, and it just oxidizes. It just patinas the, super fast, just then, like. I think she put something else in it, but I was like, "Don't do that." <laughs> well, at least she had you to come to and solve her problem for her. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's pretty awesome. So, if you had, uh, you know, if you were talking to somebody who's in college or something like that, and they're like, "Man, I think I'd like to be in the jewelry business someday." Yeah. What would you what would you tell them? What kind of advice would you give them? The advice I was given when I said that was run away. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. It's a horrible idea. Um I think these days I would it used to be you had to have an apprenticeship. You know, the the jewelry business was pretty closed lipped. They weren't gonna tell just anybody how to do it. Um but now there's several really good schools that will teach you how to do it. There's colleges where you can get a degree. There's week-long programs, month-long programs that can teach you the basics. Um, So if you were wanting to get into it, I would say start, if you don't know, if you just want to try it out, start with a week-long program. See how that works. Um, if you want to own your own jewelry store, I would go get a degree at one of the colleges that has a business section and a technical section. Okay. Is it uh, an arts degree or is it more of like a, do you know? It probably depends. You know, if you're getting a business degree, it's yeah. probably going to be a science degree. Um, I went to Murray State and they had a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Okay. If with metal smithing as your major. Um, but when I went to trade school, it was just a certificate. Yeah. So it probably just depends on where you're going. Yeah. Would you recommend somebody, you know, if they go to college and stuff, go work with somebody else for a while and, you know, kind of learn as much as they can from somebody who's been doing it? Absolutely. I mean, they told me when I was in school, when you get out of here, you'll know enough to go work for somebody, they'll teach you how to really do it because every jeweler kind of does it different. Sure. And every jeweler has their own standards. You really ought to go work for two or three different jewelers before you open your own place. That way you kind of get a broad range of kind of absolutely everything. Absolutely. And if you can go work for somebody, um, 
that has a lot of work. Like I went, I worked for a job shop, which was a shop that did work for wholesale. They did work for other jewelers. And we had hundreds of jobs coming through there a week. And so I got lots of experience. And they're all probably totally different, right? Absolutely. And then I went to work for a high-end jeweler, and we had 20 jobs coming through in a week. And so I could spend more time, and I learned more about detail and, you know, making it really look good. Yeah, more a five-star service kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I would go work for someone that has a lot of work and is willing to teach you. And then, you know, you can go from there. You can understand what you like doing. Yeah. I think that advice applies to a lot of industries. Sure. Honestly, you know, if you can go work for somebody and, you know, earn a paycheck there and a living and you're getting that on the job training, that's pretty valuable. Sure. Um, you know, and I wish I would have gotten more of a business background when I went to college. You sure. Know, I had a pretty strong technical background in engineering and things like that, but, you know, I didn't take any business classes. Yeah. You know, nowadays I think I wish I would have. I know I wish I would have, you know. Sure, and, and I've just been, you know, I've been taking classes, not really taking classes, but reading books, doing the things, books on tape, listening to podcasts, listening to how other business owners have slipped up, how they do it right. And I can pick, you know, oh, that, that little tidbit works for me. Sure. Yeah, I think that's important. What's, uh, what's the favorite book you've read late, lately or listened to lately? On business? No, it could be on anything, I guess. <laughs> I li- my favorite I-, I listened to a book that was written in 1949 by Joseph Campbell called The Hero with a Thousand Faces I don't think I've heard of it it's it's an explanation of the hero's journey and it shows how all of our mythology follows this same path Oh, okay. And so as he talked, he told the stories from so many different civilizations. And it was just fascinating. Yeah. What'd you say, Joseph Campbell? Joseph Campbell, yeah. Okay. I'd, I've heard of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty common book. Okay. Um, apparently, it's a, it's a book that people read in college for art history or okay. some kind of something. Gotcha. What now, Joe, Joe Joseph Campbell seems like a pretty common name, but uh, <laughs> there's a Netflix series out there, and I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. But it's interviews with Joey Campbell, and it's talking about that kind of stuff. Is it really? Yeah, I wonder yeah. if it's the same one. It it may be. It might be, huh? It was but broadcast he, he on PBS it. in the '80s. No, I think it is. It might, I think it it's exactly be. who it is. Yeah. Um. Because, I mean, he wrote this book in 1949. Okay. And, um, you know, he was pretty well experienced at that point. Yeah. So. Well, if you're interested in Joseph Campbell, maybe check out the Netflix series. Yeah. <laughs> Can't remember what it's called, but it's there. Well, uh, do you have a, a business mentor that you still use or, or a coach or something? that I have several. That's good. Um, 
my former boss, well, two of my former bosses are mentors. Um, my mentor in the jewelry business that when I first got into the business, um, the guy that told me to run away, he works for, works with me now. He works at night and, uh, we've stayed friends for 30 years and, um, He's actually retired, but he comes in and helps me when I'm overwhelmed. Oh, that's and, awesome. Um, I have a couple of business business owners that can help me through uh, stuck places. So it's a lot of fun. Cool. That's awesome. I think it's important having you know a relationship with somebody like that where problems arise. You know, you got somebody you can go to, or yeah. you know, a question comes up that you just you know, are struggling with and you just don't know, you know, what's the right thing to do. You just call them up and be like, Hey, I'm having a really hard time with this. You know, what do you think? And they can just kind of help guide you in the right direction. That's important to have. It, it is. And it's, it's important to make that phone call. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes hard to remember to make that phone call. <laughs> I agree. You know, you get, you get so wrapped up in this mess you've made. You're like, what do I do? And then you remember, Oh, wait, I'll call Rob. Yeah, you say, Rob's Norm. They've done this probably a million times already. Absolutely. <laughs> they've been in the same mess. Yep. So, yeah, that's cool. I think that's awesome. So if you uh, weren't a jeweler, what other profession do you think you'd find yourself in? I'd be making something. Some kind Maybe of... Maybe an engineer. Okay. Some kind of a technical making stuff engineer more and still be more hands-on kind Absolutely. of thing though i actually i actually tried to get out of the jewelry business more than once and I, it just it's in my blood there's no way getting out but i was going to go be an engineer and i started going to jcts to take classes and i went and interviewed three different engineers and realized i didn't want to be an engineer <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to be an engineer tech yeah, I no, wanted to be the difference. guy that went and did the stuff. Yeah, I didn't want to be the guy that ran the office. Right, and um, I think that's a pretty big uh, distinction, you sure. know, because I feel like we go to school and you know everyone wants to be an engineer, but they don't realize that a lot of times if you're the engineer, you know, you're sitting behind your desk all day, running you the know, office. You're not seeing the things that you're interested in yeah. or you don't get putting your hands on the things you're interested in. You know, you're literally at a desk all day and it can be, uh, be tough. <laughs> well, when I first started going to Murray state, I was going to be a wildlife biologist and that's the same way. When you get your degree and you go off to be a biologist, all you do is write papers and run the office. Yeah. All the little biology students do all the do fun all work. the fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I want to go do the fun stuff. Yeah, I hear you on that. So, uh, what have you been? Uh, what's currently piquing your interest? You know, what have you been reading about or listening about or something that's not business related or not jewelry related at all? That just kind of has you captivated these days. Man, ADHD has consumed my my free mind recently so i've been doing research and looking at it figuring out how to fix it yeah so 
It's been so. it's been interesting, and it it's interesting to understand. Even though a lot of the things that they say, if you have ADHD, you need to do these things. Those are the same things that anybody needs to do. <laughs> Is it like? Eating well and exercise and like, absolutely, you know, that kind of stuff. Plenty of sleep. Yep. Eat right, exercise, and take lots of notes. Mm. You need organization, and that's hard. You need help. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, always as amazes me on, you know, the sleep, eat, exercise like how big of an impact it has on daily life yeah, and just how resistant I am and other people are to do those things. Like we know it's good for us, yeah, but we're just so resistant to it. And I don't know why that is. I have recently done some experiments and have proved to myself what works for me. And you know, every once in a while I'm like, wow, I can do something different. And I'll do something different, and it doesn't, doesn't go work. well. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, so I get back on the train and keep on going. Keep on going. So is, uh, with ADHD, now that's, is that like a, what's the right word I'm looking for? Like a neurological thing? It is a neurological issue in the brain. Okay. It is it's a little hard to explain, but it's um I think it's the the prefrontal cortex is a bit slow, and that's your brakes. So if you're sitting there doing something and a car drives by. In a normal brain, the prefrontal cortex says, that was a car, get back to work. With a person with ADHD, they're like, oh, it's a car. And they're off with the car. And then something else catches their attention. And they don't have the brakes in the prefrontal cortex to keep them on task. Okay. And so... A lot of the treatment is stimulant medication. And the reason it works is because it stimulates the brakes. It stimulates the part of your brain that allows you to not be distracted. Okay. That makes sense. Is it a similar kind of thing to say like a depression? You know, is that, I mean, same kind of neurological thing? or There is some sort of link. And so you have you have 88 people that grow up with ADHD tend to have a lot of depression. But some of that's caused by growing up with someone saying, "Stop. Don't do that. Right. You're doing it wrong. Why don't you <laughs> sit down? Why don't you shut up?" And that, you know, that causes depression. But there's also some there's some kind of connection there. Um from yeah. what I'm understanding they tend to group it with autism okay because they're both neurological they're both on a spectrum so you can just be a little bit have a little bit of adhd or you can have all of it 
and you can't function hardly at all. All right. And it's just like autism. You know, you can have a little bit or you can have all of it. Right. And um, so they, they, they tend to, to go together. Um, I don't know if that's because they're related or if just because they're both neurological. Yeah, I mean, the reason I asked, you know, when I was seeing my therapist at one time, we were talking about depression and how it works and stuff like that. And she yeah. was saying there's some receptors or something in the brain that aren't firing correctly. And, sure. you know, you take this medication, it helps them to fire correctly. And, you know, that kind of feeling kind of goes away. Sure. You know, so. And yeah, and they're both a, uh, a physical problem in the brain. And, you know, some of the, some of the doctors I've talked to say it's, it's like being nearsighted. It is a physical problem with a fix, just like glasses. Just like glasses. Absolutely. But our society doesn't view it that way. Nope. You can't see it. Yeah. And especially with ADHD, a lot of the symptoms are just typical symptoms. But like with depression, it's more of a, a duration of the symptoms. So everybody gets down. Yeah. But not everybody has depression. You know, when, you've, when you're down for a month or down for two weeks, that's depression. Most people have, oh, I'm down today. I'm up tomorrow. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's hard for people to see somebody that has the same symptoms that they see in their own life that says they have a problem. Sure. And so they don't understand because they don't understand the duration of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. When you put it that way, I mean, like, light bulb. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, that's interesting. You know, that's, uh, you know, one of those topics that most people probably don't think about reading about or hearing about or something like that. So, you know. Well, even for me, I, I have a son that has it. But he's got classic ADHD, bounces off the walls. He's always in motion. And so we put him on the medication that the doctor suggested. And he doesn't like it. And we don't make him take it. He takes it on days he goes to school because he understands that that helps him do well in school. On weekends, he's like, I don't want (laughs) to. So we don't make him take it. Yeah. And, um... But in that process, I didn't do all the research. When my psychologist told me, hey, I think you got it, I started doing some research. And I was like, holy crap. This is way different than anything I ever thought. And there's people that have ADHD that don't, don't have the hyperactivity. They're, they're actually not very active at all. But they can't focus. They can't put their put their mind to it unless it's very interesting and that's the other part is sometimes you hyper focus sometimes you can get into a project and work for eight hours and not have any idea that more than 10 minutes is yeah you're just you're just going and so it's hard for other people to see what's going on it's hard for other people to recognize that there's a problem yeah that makes sense well, switch gears on you here a little bit. Right. How long have uh, how long have you been in the Louisville area? We moved here 
when I was in eighth grade. Eighth grade, okay. So you gonna tell everybody how many years that is so they know your age. Yeah. <laughs> well, I graduated in ninety, so that was yeah. eighty-five. Okay. Yeah. So that's quite a while. And yeah. that time, what's uh, your your favorite spot or the you know the favorite spot for you and your wife to frequent around town, bar, restaurant, whatever. Wow. We've got kids. We don't go out very often. <laughs> <laughs> we like guacamole. We like going to Chewy's. Apparently, we like Mexican food. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody loves Mexican food, I think. I think I think if we just want a regular dinner, we're probably going to Chewy's. Okay. If, if we want a dinner away from the kids, we're going to try to go someplace nice. Yeah. And that's what's great about this city. What's your favorite place that's something nice? Well, we like to go to Guacamole. Jay Alexander's, we used okay. to go there. Yeah. Um, Cafe Lulu. Cafe I don't know Lulu. if you've been there. But I've been there. They've got fantastic food. Yep. We haven't been to any of the new places, though. Well, if you got some good old places you like, <laughs> no point in trying the new ones, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> there was a... I lived in Waco, Texas for a while, and there was a Chewy's just right down the road from me. Yeah. We, we used to go there time to time, and... They used to have a really good green chili burrito. Oh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I always get a burrito. As, I think they call it a burrito as big as your face. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That's almost like the place on Bardstown Road with the burritos as big as your head. It's not there anymore. Oh, they're reopening it. They uh, they closed it. They're remodeling the whole building. No, they tore it down. Yeah, I know. They're going to rebuild it up. Oh, And wow. then there's going to be some storefront in the front. Yeah. And then burritos as big as your head is going to be in the back. Nice. Yeah. I so, went there. To the, I went to go there the other day when I left coffee. Big hole in the ground. Yeah. Just a big flat nothing. They're supposed to be building it back up again. Very Putting cool. it back in. So. That's another one from yeah. way back. Yeah, way back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for those uh, those late nights when yeah. a burrito as big as your head sounds amazing. <laughs> so, but Brad, uh, how do you keep it weird here in Louisville now that you have kids? Man, we just, we're a weird family. I, let me tell you a story. My my next door neighbor, they're, they're like our opposite, right? They've got kids the same age as my kids. And one day, my daughter walked into our house, and she's like, Dad, the boy next door called me weird. <laughs> and I said, did you say thank you? And she looked at me like, What? And I said, listen, we try hard to be weird in this family. That's a compliment. And she said, cool. Okay. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. You know, if you're uh, different than everybody else, yeah. then you'll stand out a little bit. Absolutely. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's, you know, that's what I do at my shop. My shop doesn't have anything that you would find in a normal jewelry store. You walk in, it's comfortable, it's laid back, there's plants in the window, there's handmade goods all over the place. There's little things that I just like looking at. I put things up on the on the shelves and I had to move them because everybody thought they were for sale. <laughs> I'm like, "No, I just put that there cuz I like looking yeah, at I it." I like that thing. So, 
Well, that's cool. Well, Brad, uh, I appreciate you coming by and Thanks spending some time with me and chatting. I've enjoyed it. Me too. So tell appreciate uh, you having me. Tell everybody who's listening uh, where they can find you um, online and your physical location. So my website is HarrodsCreekJewelers.com, spelled H-A-R-R-O-D-S. Um, and then the shops in Prospect. We're in the Prospect Point Shopping Center, which is the shopping center with the post office. And the Domino's. And I'm right next door <laughs> to Domino's, exactly. So that's how people find me. All right. Well, if anybody needs any jewelry repair, don't be afraid to... Hit up Brad and come on in. He does a lot of cool custom stuff as well. So. Absolutely. All right, Brad. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to 502 Entrepreneurs. You can find our site online at www.502entrepreneurs.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast through whichever service you listen to. Thanks again. <laughs>